When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Happy New Year! It's Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones with you on Unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You heard the call there on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. It's the controversial ending to the Cowboys-Lions game that has the Cowboys one step ahead to locking up the NFC East, to locking up the two-seed. And the Detroit Lions wondering what the heck happened in those final moments after a two-point conversion attempt was called back because of illegal touching. Now, there's we've been on the officials all morning. We're going to get your calls here momentarily on the Dr. Pepper call in line. I want you to weigh in and let me know what you think is an actual solution here because we know that human error is going to happen every NFL game, whether it's in this instance, whether it's the tripping call that was missed earlier by Brad Allen's crew, Matt. But I I still – it didn't have to come down to this finish for the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. Like, officiating aside, give me one minute just to talk about Dan Campbell and the decisions that he made, but also – what this whole situation does for Mike McCarthy, which is bail him out of yet another late game blunder when his team, which had been running the ball just fine, couldn't figure out how to do that and then gives the Detroit Lions the ball back with 141 to play in the fourth quarter. Detroit ends up going down and scoring. Dan Campbell says, let's go for the win. After that one gets called back because of the illegal touching, he says, two more times, let's go for the win. He goes full tilt, to use a poker term here, in that situation. No one to calm him down and talk him off the ledge of where he's saying, bump that, we're going to win anyways, in spite of the officials. The fact that they decided to go for two, backed up to their own seven-yard line, like... That's unfathomable in my mind. Like, and I, I think if cooler heads would have prevailed in that moment, he probably wouldn't have ended up calling that same call again and taking the extra point. I'm fine with it. I mean, the reason I'm fine with it, it the first time to me, it's a no brainer in that situation. You go the second time I probably would have kicked, but guess what? It worked out. They brought him off sides. So, so people are criticizing him for the second time. But the second time is not what cost him. They got off sides, and then they were kind of a, sort of right back to where they were before. The play they ran, as, as Troy Aikman and Joe Buck pointed out, it worked. They just golf through a bad pass. If golf mm-hmm. throws a good pass, they make it. You know, if you believe, and if you look at the, the analytics now, it's 55-45 you making two-point conversions. I, from the seven – you probably should kick, but it didn't cost him because of the offsides. I'm okay with it because the thing people always forget is if you decide to kick, now you're at 50-50 to win the game. So I would much rather give myself a greater than 50% chance of winning than have 50% chance. I think on the first and third conversions, he had a greater than 50% Mm -hmm. chance, so go for it. The second one, I'm okay with the argument, but it didn't cost him because of the offsides. How much of this on that third conversion? Because, of course, 
Dan Campbell, like, I mean, he was in another planet, how angry he was. Yes, he was. Oh, it was surely. He was on tilt, though, Courtney. You're right. He was on tilt. There's no doubt about that. How much of that, though, was him saying, no, we're going to do this my way. We're going to win the game versus, I trust Jared Goff so much. I'm putting the ball in my (laughs) quarterback's hand to make that pass because that's how at least it's going to be played off here. And, of course, Goff was asked about that and had to answer to that, but that was a bad pass, and it was kind of an uncatchable ball in that moment. The receiver had to adjust to it. I know people say, well, you got to catch it right there by the pylon. Well, it was a poorly thrown ball. But even that, if he caught it, he might have been tackled exactly. because the pass was bad. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's a scenario that played out in a, ni- in a 20 to 19 loss for the, de- for the Detroit Lions. They finished the season with the Minnesota Vikings. The three seed is still in play for them. There was a lot to play for here. I don't want to hear the argument they had nothing to play for because one through three was available. This puts them further out of contention for the number one overall one seed for home field advantage. And that was at the hand of officials. How do we fix this? Is there any solution? Matt's brought up the idea of suspending officials. We had a caller earlier from Dallas tell us that there should be that there should be fines instituted here for these officials. We want to hear from you on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's start with Juliet in New York. Juliet, you're on Unsportsmanlike. Where do we go in terms of fixing some of these issues we've seen repeatedly this season with officials? I can only, I'd only like to speak specifically about the Dallas-Detroit game. You know, wouldn't it be better? Prevention is better than cure. Why are so many people talking to the referee? There's so much going on there. Why didn't just the one person that was reporting as an eligible player, why was he not the only one speaking to the guy? Well, they were trying, Juliet, they I, were trying to fool, fool the referee. Not, excuse me, not fool the referee. Fool the other team, obviously. But he's a grown man. I mean, if two people are there, you've had Juliet in your life, two people come to you. Shouldn't the referee be grown enough to know which one's talking to him and which one isn't? But they're supposed to report to the other team who is Mm -hmm. um, eligible. And so that caused the problem because maybe there were too many people talking to the referee. He got confused. And that's human nature but to prevent that crap from happening all they had to do was just send the one guy up i am the one reporting as the eligible player because the other guy had been reporting eligible all through the game juliet it's a new year juliet you seem like a wonderful woman it's a new year do you think you should be saying words like crap on the radio juliet in 2024 All right, you made me laugh. You know, but just for (laughs) emphasis, for emphasis. For emphasis. It should have only been one person going up to the guy and say, I am the one on this play going to be reporting as an eligible player. Well, here, and Julia, it's a good point. Thanks you so much for the call. Not to cut you off there, but in studio, if you guys can put up the sound from John Perry, what what he said on SVP after this game, explaining, can two players report as eligible? I want to hear that sound momentarily. But to Juliet, to your point, like they're trying to throw off the Dallas Cowboys here. If you have one person, one player, go and report as eligible. If it's Taylor Decker in the situation, or even if it was Dan Skipper, the extra offensive lineman who was number 70, 
you don't want to make it look like, okay, there's, there's the jumbo package coming out very clearly an offensive lineman's about to catch a pass. Like the reason that that play worked was because of the deception that came from the Detroit, from the Detroit lions in the play design. Like that yes. was the tactic that they were using to yes. not give a tell to the, de- <laughs> to, to show the Detroit Lions, excuse me, to show the he's Dallas Cowboys how they were lining up. Courtney, he's, he's a grown man. He should be able to, I mean, like, I get Juliet's being sweet, although I'd be careful with those words. But I, but I, he is a grown man. He should be able to tell which of these three people is doing it. And if this idea that we have to treat these officials like they have no ability to discern human mm-hmm. life, and we have to go official, I am talking to you, not him. Come on, you are paid money to be able to handle and process information. If you, know, you cannot, it's on you. And that, and these should be jobs where you have to be able to handle those exactly. things in that moment. And, and you see that the video is everywhere on social media right now of John Perry very clearly in the direction of Taylor Decker, not in the direction of of, of Dan Skipper, number seventy, acknowledging for what we think is the. You know, him saying, hey, I'm eligible here. Like, what Pat, our producer, brought up earlier, like, why not have these officials wear mics so they're able, like, so we would be able to hear what was said, all of the things. Because that, they don't want us to hear it. That would Courtney, be the, I mean, that's, that, But we're bringing up solutions here. You and I are giving solutions here. Oh, on the doctor, and we're taking they people's should, calls on the Dr. Pepper call in line. That would be a solution to it. If you want to hear exactly what was said, because he said, that was like, it was a he said he said game. He said that sixty eight did not report as eligible, seventy did. When he's looking directly at Taylor Decker, that's your way of discerning. Hey, you blatantly lied in this moment because if, if that if the NFL can hear that, maybe they don't make that stuff public to the, you know us. If they don't want to, that's one thing. But if the NFL could hear those things afterwards when they're investigating this on their own, don't you think that they would say, okay, we can't have this official anymore like in important games or maybe even at all, maybe this would lead to the suspension because then they would have the burden of proof to actually take action against them they more than just the he said, now. he said game. They know, listen, the N- everyone knows what we're saying, Courtney. The NFL knows he screwed up. That official, when he... Allen, what's his first name? Brad? Is that Brad right? Allen. Brad Allen is sitting in his house right now. He knows he screwed up. He knows he screwed up. He all everyone agrees on the facts. The only question is the response, and the NFL does not feel like they have to apologize to anyone at any time. So we're not going to have a microphone because they don't want a microphone for the same reasons that many entities don't want to have cameras. or They don't want people to know what they're doing. The NFL's no different. You'd think that they'd want it for themselves, though, right? Like they, they're going to they, be trying no, to like, control the narrative around but this. But they know. The NFL knows what happened. You think, you think these people at the NFL don't know what happened? They know. They're You'd just like to choosing not so. to apologize. All right, I want to hear from John Perry. He's our NFL rules official. Uh, he was on S. He was on Sports Center with SVP after this. He had some really good things to say, explaining the ins and outs of this. Let's first start out like the ineligible receiver rule. Like they called this. They said it was illegal touching. They didn't review it. Is it reviewable? Here's John Perry. Well, it's not reviewable. What you need to do in that situation when the game is on the line, remember the clock is stopped. We just had six points. So now we're going to go for two. There's no rush here. Take your time. Make sure that you know who's participating. They're going for two. Will it be a run? Will it be a pass? It's the football IQ. Slow everything down. Make sure you have it correct. 
make sure the defense knows who is eligible and who is not. I think in this case, when you watch Brad and his movements and him focusing on number 70, I don't think Decker, number 68, and Brad Allen ever connected. Yeah, and... That's like we're we're judging body language here. We're looking at where his head was tilted in the direction in which that went. And of course, Taylor Decker's right there. Panay Sewell's right next to him. To to Juliet's point, like why are there so many players but out there? But that's not his like, fault, Courtney. It's not his fault that that guy was paying attention to the wrong person. I mean, it's not, 68 is not allowed to grab the official and say, "Hey, look at me." It's and why would you want to? Fault. Because that's exactly. give, that would be giving off a tell totally to the defense. Which again, to her point, because I think there are a lot of people who are wondering why were there so many offensive linemen out there, like in that little scrum sort of thing it was Panay Sewell number 58 Taylor Decker number 68 then behind them John Perry you can very clearly see in the overhead overhead angle that Dan Skipper was coming up can multiple players be out there to report as eligible here's John Perry again NFL rules official explaining that rule can two players report as eligible no, two eligible or ineligibles can report to play the opposite position that they need to. Two is not the issue. The issue here tonight is, did Brad Allen hear, did Brad Allen recognize visually or verbally with number 68? I don't think he does. I think he sees 70 come off the line, off the sideline, follows him all the way in. I'm guessing that Brad Allen, based on his mannerisms, his eyes, where his hat is looking, he never recognized him. And it's hard to believe that when he gets so close to him, at least from the camera angle that we've seen, that he wouldn't have had Taylor Decker in his periphery to realize that he was indeed reporting as eligible. Not number 70, who was coming up in that direction, but again... The reason that the team did it this way is because you're not trying to tip off the defense on the play that they successfully ended up running, which unfortunately ended up getting called back because of the illegal touching. We'll leave this here. There's plenty more to get into on Unsportsmanlike. Unsportsmanlike presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. More of your calls in a bit on how to fix this issue within the NFL in the officiating and our takeaways from Week 17. That's coming up next, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle on this New Year's Day. Happy New Year to you and yours. Hope you're, if you're just waking it up, that you're 
Feeling all right this morning. We appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And we, as always, appreciate Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on a Monday morning. And Herm, we were just talking about the Cowboys-Lions ending, the illegal touching call, what Brad Allen heard, what he didn't hear, the he said, he said game that is currently playing out in the fallout from this game I don't know if I have the right solution. We've been taking calls on it all morning. How can the NFL rectify this if they're not going to come out and publicly address what had happened and potentially offer some sort of apology for getting that call wrong? Well, uh, you make the point, you know, what is the solution? And um, I think where we're going at with football and sports in general, um, I I think what we have to do is, and then they can do it anyway, you know, what what they can see on the replay uh, of, of of a football game. I mean, certain things they don't show. I think they should use it, just flat use it. Just when they're not for sure, you know what? What does it look like? Okay, now with that situation, it's a little bit different. The fact that player has to report. Um, the guy said he reported. I, I know this thing is, is, is bigger than that because generally before the game, the officials come into the locker room, and you basically they ask you. Coach, is there anything unusual, you know, anything you got? And you explain to them, this is what I got. A lot of times you draw it up on a sheet. I know I've drawn it up and say, look, this is the formation. These are the players that are going to be involved in this formation. Just want to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're legal. I say, yeah, Coach, you're legal. Just make sure they report if it was that situation. And so they're well aware of you have something, whether it's on special teams, offense, that you're going to do that's a little unusual. So when it comes up, they don't get caught off guard. Uh, in this situation, um, it looked to me that, I, you know, at the end, 70 reported. They were trying to be a little slick with it. 70 reported. 68 was kind of hovering to the left, and the officials, wasn't, he wasn't paying attention. I've always told the, the players that, look, when you have to report, you make sure you go right up to the official's face, and you look him in the face and grab him if you have to and say, hey, I'm reporting. We okay. Let him see you. And that, that was what I always told my players now. What happened here, it, this is a mess because we're still talking about this and the league doesn't want this. That's the last thing the league wants to talk about is officials <laughs> during football season. My man, Herm, how we doing? It was good talking with you yesterday. You got all worked up on yeah. my show and now I get you today <laughs> as well and it's very exciting. Uh, but we were previewing yesterday. We were talking about the uh, Ravens and the Dolphins and you and mm. I kind of had the same thought, which is the Ravens were going to win and we thought the Dolphins might be a little fraudulent. Was that proven to you yesterday? I mean, do you was your feeling about both teams kind of confirmed by the result? Yeah, um, you hate to see the dog. You know they're starting to get they're starting to pick up these injuries. They get Chubb went down, and that that's not good. Um, I, I still think you know the Dolphins are a good team, but the Ravens are by far uh, the best team headed into the playoffs. I mean, when you beat San Francisco the way they did on the road, they turn around and beat a good Miami team. Um, right now, they're, they're the team that's heading in the right directions. There's there's a, there's certain teams that we thought were good. Uh, they're heading the wrong way. The one team I play for, oh boy, they're really wounded now. It, 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 that that fly eagle, no, no, they got one wing right now. They're 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 not playing well, so it's going to be interesting when the playoffs start. 
Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Unsportsmanlike. Let's talk about that Eagles game. They've won one of them in the month of December. Mm. They were up 21-6 to at halftime yesterday, and then they blow that lead. They can't hold on in the final minutes. Arizona and the Jonathan Gannon revenge game plays out in favor yeah. of the Cardinals. They go home with a win. The Eagles now have a loss as they go into the final week of the season without control of the NFC East. Like, how did we get here the last month of the season for a team that started out 10-1 and one and already had its postseason hopes pretty much in, in the bag by the end of November? Well, for me, I thought coming two months ago when, when you watched them play, uh, the offense was, 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 not, was not well connected at all. Uh, and defensively, uh, they've suffered some losses and some players leaving. But the middle of their defense, whether it's the safeties or the linebackers, uh, just in the pass coverage, they're just they're, they're not very good. And people are starting to attack that. And that's kind of been the game plan with the Eagles. Uh, continue to attack and continue to attack, and that's what people are doing over and over and over again. And people say, well, you're going to get a fix. You can't get a fix. You can't get new players. Those are the players you have. you got to play with those guys. And we say that, and we look at this team, and it has 11 wins. And go, man. But the problem is when they get in the playoffs, I don't know how far they go. Uh, they get it. Look, this giant thing that they play, team they played this week, good luck. The Giants will play them. They'll play them hard. That didn't surprise me yesterday with Arizona. When that thing just kind of where it was going, I was going, this is not good. It's not, this is not good luck. They're running the ball on the Eagles. Uh, Eagles don't have a pass rush hardly anymore. Uh, the secondary has problems covering. So all these things added up, and now they're still going to get in the playoffs. But how far they go, I don't don't think very far at all. Herm, I want to read you something. I got this message after your appearance yesterday. It says, Matt, Mm. if you ever get a chance, you tell Herm Edwards, I find him the most entertaining person on football. I just (laughs) wish he'd get some energy sometimes. Now, I don't think that's usually a problem for you. So I wanted to give you that compliment. And then I just got a minute. So let, let me ask you this. We now mm-hmm. see essentially close to what the brackets are going to look like. Tell me who's in Herm Edwards' Super Bowl as of right now before the last week of the regular season. Well, unless uh, Lamar Jackson decides to retire, <laughs> uh, I think the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> are going to are going to represent the AFC. In the NFC, look, I, I think it's San Francisco. I, I do. I, I just think, you know, they ran into trouble, uh, obviously, with the Ravens, which would be a, kind of fun again to watch San Francisco and the Ravens go at it again, right? So yeah. I think those are the two best teams overall when, when you watch them play. The eye test, you know, I always say, listen to your eyes at the end of the day. What do you see, right? It's like when Lamar was on the field with those guys, all those guys who were supposed to be MVPs, right? If you were a person that never watched a football game and you watched them play the 49ers and the 49ers had some MVP candidates and you didn't know any of the players, and you just watch the game, and you ask somebody, "Well, who's the who's the best player? That number eight guy. He's pretty. He's, he's pretty different. good. Yeah, he's different. He's he's good, and he was good again uh, this week. Five touchdowns. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's interesting. And they're on a roll right now. The Ravens. They're hot. They're, the, they're probably the hottest team, along with. Uh, I kind of like what Buffalo's doing. They're kind of hot. The Buffalo Bills. The Rams are kind of hot. Even though they struggled, they're still winning. You know, it, it's interesting. A hot quarterback going into the playoffs is always a good feeling, especially when you're the coach of that quarterback.
Yeah, the Baltimore Ravens certainly have that in Lamar Jackson. Back-to-back weeks going toe-to-toe with two of the best offenses in the NFL, and his team comes out the winner both times. He is Herm Edwards, ESPN NFL analyst, kind enough to join us here on Unsportsmanlike. Happy New Year, Herm. We appreciate it. See you, Herm. One of the geniuses. Well, I don't know about you. Now, she, she is beautiful and a genius. You're just the genius part. That's it. Oh, oh come on now, Herm. I got up, I tried to look going. good you for you this morning. Right oh, man, what are you doing You guys have a wonderful New Year. Hey, thanks so much, Herm. We'll see you on SportsCenter later today. All right, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. I want to get back into something that Herm Edwards just brought up about the Philadelphia Eagles, that we may have seen the signs of this collapse in the last part of the season a couple months ago. We'll get into that coming up next here, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You heard the booze ringing out loud and clear inside Lincoln Financial Field. The call courtesy Sports Radio 94 WIP in Philly. The Eagles are 1-4 in, in the month of December. They're still in the postseason thanks to their 10-1 start, but... Is this a playoff team that we actually trust? Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones with you on Unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This show, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. They have not been able to score more than 20 points on a routine basis. Their pass rush has all but disappeared. And when Jonathan Gannon comes to town for his revenge game, which I remember talking about that idea last week and kind of saying it tongue-in-cheek, well, he ends up like the one with the last laugh here, Matt, because the Cardinals come back from a 21-6 halftime deficit. It's 28-28 late in the fourth quarter. They end up winning this game 35-31. Their season has been over for a while, just in terms of the playoff picture and everything that was at stake for them this season, which was a rebuilding year. Different case in Philadelphia, a team that went to the Super Bowl last year and now is still in the NFC playoff picture. We are not negating that, but this doesn't look like a team that's going to end up being able to get out of wildcard weekend. If you're just judging it off of what the play you've, the, the level of the play you've seen the last couple of weeks, particularly in a game that they had no business keeping a poor opponent in late in the fourth quarter. 
No, I mean, that was a terrible performance. And as somebody that had a five-team parlay that, that lost because they were not able to win, it's very frustrating to me. But as an Eagles fan, I mean, I think as Herm said, you had to see this coming. I mean, they've been sputtering for weeks. I, I think the question as to why is an interesting one. I mean, there are new coordinators, but at the same time, you know, they – they started the season pretty well. They were good for like seven or eight weeks, and then everything has just collapsed in the last few weeks. What has surprised me is to see all of these consistent pieces play worse. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts, I do think, has played a little worse, and I think the defense has played a lot worse. I don't understand the change that was made halfway through the year, and everything has kind of collapsed, but you saw it coming for a few weeks. It culminated in the game yesterday. The only saving grace for them, though, is I don't really trust any of these teams in the NFC. I trust the 49ers the most, but Brock Purdy showed he's got a four-interception game in him if you get him at the right time. So I I still think they have a shot. Everyone that's writing them off, I would just say, who – I mean, do you trust Dallas more? Do you trust Detroit more? What have those teams done? But with that said, it was embarrassing yesterday, and it was probably the end result of about five to six weeks of just a different level of low play. You can track this all the way back to that loss that they had against the Jets at the midway point of the season. That was the one time that we saw Jalen Hurts throw three interceptions in a game. He hasn't done that, to his credit, at any other point throughout the season, but he still has been good for about an interception each game since the midway point of 2023. That's concerning. What's even more concerning is that an offense that does have a capable running back in DeAndre Swift hasn't been able to figure out how to use him on a, on a consistently effective basis to make sure that you're taking that load off of Jalen Hurts. An offense that has A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, all of his weapons from that Super Bowl year – Still unable still to string there, together, yeah. yeah, still all there, but still unable to string together consistent games and be able to score more than 20 points. You're not going to win a lot of games in the NFL if you're scoring under 20 points, which had been their MO throughout the month of December. You take a look at the losses. San Francisco, they scored 19 points in that game. Dallas, they couldn't muster more than 13. Against Seattle, it was 17 on the road. Two, those two last two games were back-to-back road games. They get is their get-right game, I guess, if you want to call it that, against the New York Giants when they scored 33. But even then, they had to stave off a last-minute drive in the fourth quarter from the Giants and got some help, if we're talking about officials, from a, no, a non-DPI call that could have ended up helping New York. And then they see this New York team again in Week 18, To Herm Edwards' point, this is a Giants team that's playing some darn good football right now. It may not matter for them in the month of, you know, in the 2023 season, but they almost play spoiler to the Eagles on Christmas Day. They almost beat the Rams yesterday. Who's to say that they're not going to be feeling some type of way to spoil the Eagles' playoff hopes or at least, you know, give them another loss as they try to build momentum going into the postseason? Right now they're on the road as the five seed going to play the winner of of the NFC South. It's supposed to be Tampa Bay. Let's see if they can hold on to their position as the four seed. But I don't have any faith that even facing a Bucks team that has been more consistent as of late, but still a wild card, that they can get out of wild card weekend and make it into the next round to try to get back to the Super Bowl. By the way, they're playing the Giants. Whatever happened to Tommy DeVito? I th- that guy where you talk about. He was benched. Yeah, I understand, but you talk about a dude that for three weeks was the most important thing in the league, and now I don't. Now you don't even see him. I, I will say he should have raised his price for that pizza place because we knew in a few weeks we wouldn't be talking about him at all. 
I also, though, say the Eagles do need to worry about next week. They could certainly lose that game. I don't think there's any doubt. Now, as far as on the actual playoff game, I think they'll win that first one. But then the question becomes, what happens after that? Because you're probably going to have to play the 49ers, and I don't think that's going to look well for the Eagles. But this is the curse of the Super Bowl loser. They never the next year meet expectations. It has not happened, and it doesn't happen this year either. But I think it has been a massive drop-off. You rarely, however, see a team, Courtney, drop off during the course of the year like this without a major injury to point to. Normally you'll go, okay, well, they lost at this. You pointed to the game. It was the Jets game. But before that, I think people should remember, they looked great the first Mm -hmm. six or seven weeks. That collapse and no obvious reason to point to as to why has really been baffling. We've heard some speculation that maybe there was some infighting among players, some Mm -hmm. uh, finger-pointing, if you want to call it that, after a couple of those losses. Jalen Hurts, after the Seattle loss, said that he didn't believe that everybody was as committed towards that ultimate goal. And that comes on the heels of changing your defensive play caller in the month of December. It was just baffling behavior from a 10-win team. You typically don't see that. It's on Nick Sirianni to right the ship. But when he's talking, which you're going to hear here post game, like the belief in his team and this defense, I don't really know how you can think this thing's going to get any better. Take a listen. I still believe in the guys in that locker room, the players. I still believe in the coaches. I think we got the guys in this place to to get it turned in the right direction. We don't have much time, obviously, right? We got one more game before playoff starts, and you know we got we got to do everything we can do to get back on track this this upcoming week. I think there's been spurts. Um, the last, obviously, the last couple games where we played, you know, good good uh, ball on defense. Uh, tonight wasn't one of those times. He's saying all the right things, Matt. Matt Jones, Courtney Cronin here on Unsportsmanlike, but. I, I just I take a look at what this Eagles team, what this defense that he says he still has faith in, allowed the Arizona Cardinals to do. This is their fourth loss in their last five games. The Cardinals never punted in this game. They had a season-best 449 yards in total offense. Kyler Murray had a terrific game going on the road, and they come away with a win. Like This Eagles defense is a far cry from where they were a year ago, but you'd think with all of these changes that they've made to how they're calling this defense, how they're deploying personnel, that that would have at least yielded a much better result than what we've seen in the last three games since they made that switch. Yeah, that switch I think ended up being a terrible decision. It's a the panic. It felt like a signific- panic move. Yeah, it did, and it's diff- defense have got has gotten significantly worse since then. It was actually, again, I don't mean to keep saying this, it was pretty good the first five or six weeks. <laughs> Everybody was talking about how many weapons they had, how they were hard to score against. I, I don't understand the collapse. You mentioned the whispering of the infighting. I'm not there, so I don't know, but there has to be something. There is no explanation. If you actually look at the rosters, they are one of the healthiest rosters of the top teams. They have not had the injuries a lot of the other teams have had. So it has to be something internal. It has to be something. When you have a quarterback come out and say, I don't know if everybody's committed, there's something else going on, and maybe we'll probably find out in a post-mortem that's written on the website when it's over, Mm -hmm. but I'll be fascinated to see because you can't just explain it based on the play on the field. And the thought of them getting back to where they were last year, I mean, statistically, with a 1-4 and four record in the month of December, the only other team to reach the Super Bowl after losing four games in the last month of the season was the 2012 Ravens. They obviously won the Super Bowl that year with Joe Flacco, who's now trying to do the same thing for the Cleveland Browns. But 
the stakes are the stakes are high and the odds are stacked against this Eagles team, which picked the worst time of the 2023 calendar to start falling apart. After a 10 and one season, one and four in the month of December. They are currently headed towards the playoffs, a game that right now, if the season were to end, they'd be playing that first weekend of that second weekend of January against the Tampa Bay Bucks on the road. Unsportsmanlike presented by Progressive Insurance makes it easy to save money when you bundle your auto policy with home, condo, or renters. You'll earn a multi-policy discount. Easy to bundle, easy to save. Visit Progressive.com. Straight ahead. CFP semifinals are on your airwaves today. Coverage beginning 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. We have the All-State Sugar Bowl. And before that, we've got the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential. We're going to tell you a little bit more about who we got in those matchups coming up next here on Sportsman Like ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Michigan and Alabama, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Michigan's been here before. They have not won this. Alabama's been here before. They have won this. You're going to have probably the two teams that people love to hate the most. This is why you come to Michigan. They've only had their head coach for what, like four games this year? He's missed six. All year long, everybody has said what this Alabama team was not. And all they've done is continue to win, continue to stick together. For me, it's all about bragging rights. The Big Ten, the SEC. It's all coming your way this afternoon. ESPN Radio has you covered for bowl game action. Tune in today, starting with the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl and the Verbo Fiesta Bowl, part of the New Year's Six Bowl games, followed by the college football semifinals at the Rose Bowl and the All-State Sugar Bowl. Coverage beginning 1230 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Happy New Year, Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones, holding it down for Evan Canty and Michelle here on Unsportsmanlike, as always presented by Progressive Insurance. This is one of my favorite days of the year Because the college football games that we are about to watch, these bowl games that we wait an entire season for, every team is playing for something. These teams, at least the four that we mentioned in the CFP semifinals, vying for a national championship. It's nice this year that college football doesn't have to share the day with the NFL. And as someone who's like entrenched in the NFL world, when New Year's fell on a Sunday last year, I was like, man... 
There's just something about having January 1 be solely reserved for these college football games that I want to remain untouched. You can't obviously help where the calendar, uh, how that shakes out. But I do like that it's on a Monday. We get to, most of us have the day off. Obviously, you and I are working here. But the chance to just sit on the couch and watch the final couple bowl games of the season as we get ready for a national championship is something I look forward to every year. Well, this is going to be a huge week. I mean, for those of us that love college football, this is the day. And, and I actually think it's a great playoff. The Rose Bowl to have Michigan and Alabama, though. I don't know if the rest of the country realizes how big a game this is for people entrenched in college football. There are only two conferences that really matter. It's the SEC and the Big Ten. As a matter of fact, all four of these playoff teams will next year be in either the SEC or the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. 13 of the 14 teams that were ranked in the playoff rankings next year will be either in the SEC or the Big Ten. And the big question is – is the Big Ten able to compete with the SEC? They haven't been able to in the last decade, which is, brings you to Michigan and Alabama because there's a lot more at stake here, Courtney, than just Michigan and Alabama. First of all, I think there's a decent chance it's the last time we see Jim Harbaugh in college football. Might be the last time we see Nick Saban because I think there's a shot he retires at the end of the year. And there's this conference supremacy thing. For those of us in the South, we've been listening. Michigan is the epitome of non-SEC football. And for everybody else in the rest of the country, Alabama's the epitome of the SEC. There is so much at stake in the college football world for who wins this game. If Alabama is able to win after what Georgia did to Florida State, there's no argument that the SEC is not only the best conference, everybody else is playing for second place, even the Big Ten. I think for people in the Big Ten, Ohio State fans, I think they're putting down their rivalry uh, flags and they're cheering for Michigan. For people in the SEC, LSU fans and Georgia fans, even if you don't like Alabama, today you're probably cheering for Alabama. The SEC Big Ten component to the Rose Bowl today is as big as the playoff to me and I think makes the game fascinating and it makes it to where every college football fan has a strong stance going into the game. Well, it's a microcosm of the overall college football product and where it stands now going into next season where conference realignment actually starts to take shape. 2023, we had the death of the Pac-12. We had more teams leaving conferences to, to form alliances with other con- with other conferences. And the year before that was when we found out that next year is when uh, the SEC will get Oklahoma and it'll get Texas. UCLA and USC are headed to the Big Ten. Then, of course, Washington and Oregon, too. But it's it's a microcosm of the two biggest conferences in college football, really in college sports, facing off in what they call the granddaddy of them all at the Rose Bowl. And the one-seed Michigan team that did not have Jim Harbaugh on the sideline for six games this season that swept through its conference, didn't really have any issue, even against an Ohio State team that it had to play uh, without Jim Harbaugh coaching, never really felt like that game was too much in doubt. Now you go in and you know the history, though, of what it's been like for Michigan when they get to the CFP semifinals. They go in 2021, they're in the Sugar Bowl, or rather, excuse me, they're in the Rose Bowl game. What year am I looking at here? I can't seem to find out where I'm at. It was the 2022 Orange Bowl. They change these things around. I've got to make sure I, I pay off every sponsor that's attached to this. They lose to Georgia on that New Year's Eve game 34-11. to And then last year, they faced TCU. They're up in this game, and they end up losing 51-45. It's that proverbial, can they get out of the, the, the monkey off their back of the CFP semifinal round? Because this very well meet 
may be the last time we see Jim Harbaugh at this stage with Michigan. And in previous years, they haven't shown the ability to do that. Now you have to do it against a team that by no way is your typical four seed. Feels like that was a a calculated setup by the committee to put Michigan with Alabama to give them as hard of a test against a formidable SEC opponent in the first round. Well, it's broader than that. The Big Ten is a secondary conference when it comes to the SEC, and you see it in all these results. I mean, Ohio State is the only team in the last 20 years from the Big Ten that has really been able to play with the elite of the SEC. It's the only one, and they really were only able to do it for a couple years. Michigan has never shown the ability to play with the elite of the SEC. I I honestly believe if Michigan is not able to win today, this is a good Alabama team, but it's not a great Alabama team. If Michigan cannot win today, then the the, the argument is over that there's any conference that really can matter on an elite level besides the SEC. It just plays at a different standard. For everyone else in the country, they are all pulling for Michigan today unless you're in the South because – Those of us that are SEC fans, we've always said our sixth, seventh, eighth best team is better than your team's first or second, your conference's first or second best team. The only ones that have been outliers are Clemson at times, Michigan and Ohio State, and Michigan, as you pointed out, is yet to do it. If they don't do it today, then Harbaugh needs to leave because they'll never do it. If you don't beat this Alabama team, with this Michigan team, then the Big Ten just needs to hush. Just understand you're the second conference and college football every year is the SEC. It can be a quote-unquote down year for Alabama, and obviously they had their loss against Texas early on in the season. They had a scare that they survived on the road at South Florida the week after that when they ended up benching uh, Jalen Milrow. He did not play in that game. There was, you know, the decision made from Nick Saban to jumpstart this team, and it worked. Obviously, he has the pedigree that he can make a move like that and see it pay off. But this was a team that a lot of people had written off early in the oh, season, which is just lost, wild to think about the Auburn? fact that they're uh, – yeah, yeah, I mean, it comes down to, a, what was it, a 4th and 28 play that ends up yeah. getting them out of the Iron they Bowl are victorious four, This is the one SEC of the worst Alabama teams, Courtney. Like, this is not a great Alabama team, and this is the best Michigan team in 20 years. Which if is this crazy Michigan to think team about. can't beat this Alabama team, then the Big Ten just needs to hush and just recognize they're not playing big boy football. Which, I mean, that's just that's the wild part of this argument, that this may not be Nick Saban, maybe not even in his top ten teams, yet they're still in, the play, in play right now to compete for a national championship where you've had a quarterback who has been surging within the last five weeks of the season going into that SEC championship game. I don't think there are many people that want to face Jalen Milrow, this improved offensive line, this improved run game, and a defense that has remained rock solid all season. Michigan runs into that buzzsaw today. We'll see if they come out victorious or if it will be Alabama once again contending for a national championship. Straight ahead here on Unsportsmanlike, do NFL officials need to be held more accountable? That's next, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.